Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Today, we've got a mad stream. We've got legendary party starters, Dub Pistols, released their new album, Frontline, um, uh, last month. Uh, the notorious band are are back bringing so much summer atmosphere with their infamous blend of dub, hip-hop, scar, jungle, incorporating reggae subjects and themes, featuring artists such as Ragga Twins, Natty Campbell, Freestylers, Cheshire Cat. The album is living proof that dub pistols are the true masters of their craft. Very excited to get Barryshwood in the shed to chat the album, to chat Mucky Weekend and a whole load of other stories. Let's get This is going to be wild. Let's get it in them. Let's, let's welcome him in. Barry, how you doing, dude? Graham. Happy Buckle Wednesday. Yourself. Buckle yourself in, Graham. We're on for a hell of a ride. <laughs> hell of a ride. <laughs> I remember we did a podcast, well, I think probably about three or four years ago, and that and that was just as mental, and we only had half an hour, so God knows where we're going to get in two hours. It c- couldn't have been just as mental because we've just started. It's going to be yeah. it, less mental, and this is going to go... We, I've, 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 I'm up here in Manchester at the moment at Media City. I've already run into Chris Hawkins this morning. I've got, been over with Craig Charles. We've just been down at the bar with Craig Charles. Now, <laughs> the best, no, no, no. But the best part of this is I'm now with you, Graham. This is oh, the one I was really looking Oh, you legend. How's, how's the view from your hotel? Can I, you know, you know, anyone who knows me knows that, I, you know, I disguise myself as a Mockney, but my family yep. are all scouters. So anyone who knows anything about that, Mockney, yeah, I'm a Mockney. This is all fake. This accent. I, I'm first generation Mockney. My family are all scouters. So um, I'm a true, true Liverpool fan. So to look outside my window and see Old Trafford is like it's like Amityville horror. It's looking at the empty <laughs> castle at the top of the hill. It's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Absolutely amazing. Horrendous. Sounds yeah. amazing. Okay, we're going to chat album today. We're going to chat Maki Uhinda. Before we get into the serious, serious of that, as however serious as that can be, uh, we have a tradition here at lunchtimes where we love a meal deal, and our fan base, all the gang, love a meal deal. And I always think, like, do you have a, a go-to meal deal? You know, the ones you get from Tesco, Sainsbury's, Subway, Boots. Do you have a go-to like sandwich, crisps, drink? Um, mine that used to be the breakfast triple with a kind of quavers and you know those healthy, healthy smoothies that aren't healthy, healthy at all. Healthy, they're a healthy um, smoothie. <laughs> What's yours? No, I don't. I don't have a go-to um, healthy meal. Uh, um, you got to remember, uh, Graham. We are a band that tour eleven months <laughs> of the year. We drive up and down the motorway. So my go-to meal is a steak, bacon, a sausage roll from Greg's. Yeah, hey, that's a that's a good one. That's still go to. Not because it's not because I've got constant heartburn. I tried to get <laughs> sponsored by Rennie. Do you know what I mean? It's an absolute killer. So, but if I'm at home, my go to meal is like chicken pasta bake from Marks and Spencers. Oh, that's cool. Chicken pasta bake's yeah. cool. I like that. Like chicken- Double pasty for those. <laughs> I keep, keep, you know what, as well, the thing is, Graham, I've been really, you know, I'm a man of a certain age now, so um, 
but it's starting to take its toll on the waistline. So every yep. day I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a stronger person and just go for either a sausage roll or a steak bake. Um, but unfortunately, I just go for both. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> We just had the obligatory cleaner knock on the door that we knew was going to happen. Right I, on cue. I, 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 I wondered who was going to you go away. <laughs> I, won, I wondered who was going to be the. It's like it's like Noel's house party. Who's at the door? <laughs> it's Craig Charles. I told him not to come. Fuck's <laughs> sake. Fuck's sake. Okay, let's talk frontline. You got a brand new album out. Your eighth album. Holy crap. Eight albums. Ninth, well done. Ninth, Congratulations. Do you, this is the ninth album, Graham. Do you read This is the ninth. Oh, shit. Ah, oh, I read your press release. It said the eighth. Okay, this is the eighth, this is the ninth album. Sorry. Apologies. Wow, that's even more double. I wish I had my I wish I had my rave horn button that's not working that's to give you a for the for the ninth album. Well done. Can we start at the start with an album? When does it how does it start for you? Like obviously there's concepts and ideas behind albums and how does it obviously you have collaborators how does that all kind of come together like where does it start how long before is there a kind of ideas process then recording or is it just part in the studio it is i mean when you're doing nine albums or you're constantly touring or on the road so kind of one album blends into the other i think when you when the f- i'm going to i'm going to take you way back way back to the start so the first the first, just to, because there's an evolution over nine albums. So mm. the first album, Point Blank, was never meant to be an album. It was never meant, it wasn't. I, you know, I'm being completely honest. You know, I was mm. making, Dub Pistols were never meant to be a band. It was about my love for, I just, at the time, at the time, and it was at the, just at the time, because my career started in 1987, and I started promoting from 87 all the way through the 90s. And like everything, you get – things started to become formulated, sounds started to become familiar. You get slightly bored with whatever is musically going on at the time. So I, I kind of got a little bit bored of the formulated house music that was around at the time. And suddenly there was the Chemical Brothers, uh, Fatboy Slim. The Chemical Brothers was the first – they were called the Dust Brothers at the time. And then they got in trouble with the Beastie Boys and they couldn't be called that, so they became the Chemical Brothers. But they did a, I think their first single was My Mercury Mouth or Song to the Siren. That's right. And it blew my mind. Do you know what I mean? It really, really blew my mind. And then the whole Big Beat, which is, you know, at the time became the nasty word, came about. It, but, but Big Beat wasn't the first title for it. It was like Trip Hop, then it was Animal House, then it was this, and then eventually it landed as Big Beat. Do you know what I mean? So... The first thing that I want to do, Water Sound Label was about um, Skin Records, Bolshe mm. Records, Heavenly Social, Big Beat Boutique. It was just about me making, you know, dance floor cannon fodder for my DJ sets. Do you know what I mean? So that's that's yeah. how it was. And then we had some success with um, Cyclone. That was our kind of breakthrough record. That sort mm-hmm. of um, got – and it's kind of weird. It, it, we, it was the only track we've ever had playlisted on Radio 1 or mainstream no radio, um, believe it or not, after 26 years. Probably can't um, blame whoever it is who <laughs> runs playlists for 26 years. But that was – so that was a breakthrough record for us. And it was – but people don't know us because of our – 
radio play or anything like that. It was Tony Hawks that broke Dub Pistols. It was being on that game. But what happened during that period was that we, so the record company, after the success of that record, asked us to put an album together. The Enemy and everything, Big Beat was massive. The Enemy um, and Radio One and everybody loved us. We were, you know, mainstream. And then like, say like the dubstep scene or like everything in the UK, we love to build things up and knock them down very, very, very fast. So by the time I'd finished the album, which was never going to be an album, um, we went from being the <laughs> enemy darlings to, I remember really clearly one of the reviews that I got, and I got called The Sound of Norman's Sweaty Jockstrap. <laughs> fuck's sake what editors are, editors are harsh aren't they sometimes holy it was crap. it would make it was really harsh it's only ever the bad reviews that you ever ever remember and i and it was kind of weird because the album bombed in the uk at the time mm. dub pistols really blew up big beat blew mm. up but as big as it blew up like dubstep it suddenly dropped off a cliff um, yeah, I was I was just thinking that as well. I was thinking that I was thinking like when you were talking about Big Beat, uh, how how many genres have done that? You know, gone up, then then dropped. Even like disco got did the same. Big Beat, dubstep, probably grime, probably 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 you something know, else that's coming. You know, something next. You know, I, I think it's something that's very unique to the UK, or certainly back in the day, the UK press love to build you up and i've and i found throughout my short career that which has been like slightly longer than i thought it would be <laughs> is what they do and they're absolute bastards mate is they um what they do is they'll build you up they'll knock you down and then just as you think you're finished they'll gradually pull you back up again just so they can do it yeah so so <laughs> what happened was um Continuing this story of, I don't know how we was talking about Frontline, somehow I talked about Point Blank, um, was that we ended up getting G Gary Richards, which I'm sure you know through Dawley, etc. He mm -hmm. Gary Richards was running a record company in America, which was signed to A&M, um, 1500 Records, I think it was called, and he absolutely loved the Dub Pistols. It ticked all, ticked all these boxes. It was electronic. It was a bit sort of punk. It was a bit off the wall. And he took us to America, and we signed a deal with A&M Records. And that's when we went to America, and things started to really blow up for the Dub Pistols. Mm. Unfortunately, when we were signed and everything was going really, really well with um, 1500 Records, they went bankrupt. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. So, for, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, I don't know. We, it, it was. It absolutely took off. We won quite a few major rewards. Gary Richards done an absolutely incredible job for us. He really mm. took us up. We were spending eleven months of the year touring there, and then suddenly A and M went bankrupt, and we were told just as our record was blowing up. And there, you'll, there'll be a theme about this that continues through this show. It just went completely tits, and it wasn't his fault. It wasn't Gary's fault. It was just the circumstances. The record business, the record industry at that time were in, was in a terrible state. And where was I? So we'd just gone back. What years was this? Just what years was this? Just out of, just from a timeline uh, point of view. So Dub Pistol started in 90, I think we dropped the first single in 97, 98. Um, so this would have been two, three years. So early, early 2000s. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, so this was – so what happened then was Gary Richards introduced me to a guy called Richard Bishop. Mm-hmm. Richard Bishop's a massive manager in America, someone that Gary really, really, really looked up to. And he said, look, I really need you to get Richard Bishop to manage you, which I duly did. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy. Um, I fired my manager in the UK because it wasn't working for us, not because she wasn't any good or because things wasn't any good, but we just, you know, we couldn't catch a cold here at that time. Richard Bishop then decided that I needed to uh, leave Gary Richards' label. Oh, God. (laughs) It was Gary that introduced me to him. And then oh, Richard don't go on that label. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fuck's sake. This is the swamp. This is the swamp of the industry that we work in and live in. Do you know what I mean? So Gary, yeah. had, he was desperate to get Richard on his team. Richard managed Crystal Method, Paul Oakenfell, whole host Henry Rollins. He, he's massively... You know, he, 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 you know he's, me and him are still dear friends now. But he ended up getting me... A one and a half million. Jimmy Irvine, who was obviously Death Row Records, and uh, Jordan Sher, they he they phoned me up and we did a million and a half dollar deal with Geffen Records. So yeah, so cool. Gary, who was my mate and who had saved my career, who would introduced me to this guy that told me should be my manager, I totally then fucked him over. But we ended up with a big deal. Oh, okay, cool. That's good. And yeah, that good. was yeah, yeah. It was it was fantastic for a while. It yeah. was you know it was a dream yeah. made in heaven. We were you know suddenly we were signed to Geffen Records, who were that you know part of Universal Group. Jimmy Irvine, who was an absolute industry god, um, mm-hmm. we were their number one priority. Everything was going fantastic. They wanted us to leave. Um, point blank behind and start working on a new record yeah that record was six, was six million ways to live we did that they they spent a fortune they did everything that they promised they would do they got us on the front cover of everywhere i think we climbed as high as two in the billboards we, we were due to release our album we went up the trade towers the night before flew to los angeles and then 9-11 happened Oh, my God. Yeah, so, you know, that was the week our album was coming out. That was the week we were due to launch, you know, our big record. And you have to put it into perspective, Graham. You know, I remember sitting there in America and I was watching these aeroplanes flying into the building. And you got – I knew my career was over in America because I knew our record was never going to come out. Our lyrics were, you know, biggest, tallest buildings burn out of the mothers they cry – blowing up the White House. But you have to put it in perspective. The world changed that day, and a lot of people lost their lives. Do you know what I mean? So, yes, my career didn't take off quite the way it did, but, you know, by by the luck of 24, 30 hours, I'm still alive to tell you this story. Do you know what I mean? That's mental. Okay. Fucking hell, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, only, we're only two hours in. Shit the bed. <laughs> so, so now we're... Did it all start going right? Didn't. Yeah. So now we're on nine albums. Oh, my God. Does, does it get easier making albums these days? It, 
No, I tell you, I, I'm going I'm to. I'll continue the story for you. I'll continue how it went from there. So, from there, I knew that we weren't going to get our record released. You know, we just spent quarter of a million pound on a video that we were um, was me running around with chemical warfare head, warfare, chemical warfare heads, selling them back to the flipping triad. You know, buying them off the triad, selling them back to the CIA. Rising happened. Do you know what I mean? It was like this whole record was completely fucked. I knew that was never going to come out. Geffen, you know, promised me that don't worry about it. Um, we will release this record and we will make you the stars and we will make you big. But my experience from the music industry was that, you know, we were primed to go. This wasn't their fault. That's what I want to put there. I'm not blaming anybody for what happened. Mm. They were, like, there's so many things that, you know, happened in my career, but I don't blame any anybody for what went wrong or right, not much has gone right. Um, it was like, you know, we were just victims of circumstances that happened at the time. And But they promised me that they would, they offered me £150,000 to stay. They said that they would bring the record back. But my gut feeling was that they would, that once you're on the front foot, once you're on the launch pad and you're taken off and you're put on the back burner, you ain't never coming back. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like I knew we'd lost that moment. I knew we knew we'd lost that momentum. So I had a two, and they. So in the end, I went round to Jimmy Irvine's house. He played snooker. He blew smoke up my ass. Told me I was brilliant. Told me that they loved me. Told me that they're going to look after me. But I knew in my heart of hearts that it, this wasn't going to be. And it took me two years, two years of fighting to get the record back. Bear in mm. mind, it hadn't been released, and I thought that I would walk away from the deal that I was in and that I would just pick up another recording deal really, really, really easy. You know, I thought mm. somebody would want us. Because it was a good record. Six Million Ways to Live is a, is a fantastic record. It's one of the best Dub Pistols records. I thought that somebody would pick up that record. Nobody would touch us with a barge pole. They were like, but why is the biggest record company in the world going to let you go? Why would they let mm. you go? Do you know what I mean? It's like, so... We really, really struggled to get a deal after that, no you know, and it, and it was and it was really weird because the person that did come out of it is a guy called Richard Ford, who was running a label called Y4K Distinctive, which was a breakbeat mm. record. And the and yeah, as much as the early Dub Pistol stuff was breakbeat, Six Million Ways to Live was anything but a breakbeat record. It was it was a, an album of songs. Do you know what I mean? So Richard mm. Bishop's uh, not Richard Bishop, Richard Ford to be honest, saved our career and put a record out that really should never have come out on Y4K. But it was the only one who had the balls to, to go, you know what, I'm going to do it. Mm, that's cool. And then, and then we went on from there, you know, and then, then I recorded Speakers and Sweeters and I think Y4K went broke, as lots of these things do. And I remember we recorded Speakers and Sweeters and I couldn't get a deal for that and I'd gone to judge a competition with Rob the Bank from Bestival, mm -hmm. who was running Bestival at the time. And I was supposed to stay in a hotel on the Isle of Wight, but Rob was driving back to London. So I, I, I insisted that he gave me a lift and made him listen to the album. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, this new album we made, he went, Barry, Barry, mate, you know, 
I love you and everything, you know, I think you're great, but we can't afford the dub pistols. And I was like, mate, I honestly don't care. It's not about money. It's just about, let's just put this record out and see how it goes. And that's how we got involved. You know, we, we never took an advance. We never took anything. We just put the record out and it just, you know, again, that was the next part of the journey and on we went. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So that's, we've, that's four, four albums in now, five albums? Four albums. Four, four albums, albums in. four albums, and then I stayed with then I stayed with Sunday Best for you know a long, long, long time, a long time leading up to um, Frontline. And to be honest, like I, I, I again, like I said, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not someone who says this should have happened, that should have happened. You know, we could have done this, we could have done that, we should have been this, we should have been that. But it's hmm. not like that. Do you know what I mean? The, the re Getting on to where we are now, Frontline, you know, I had, had a great career and we're still very good friends with Robbie and Sunday Best. We have a great working relationship. But it comes to the point with Frontline that I felt that we it's, – it's based now most of what's, what the Dub Pistols are based on is the fan base and the connection and everything that we have with our audience. So it's based on our fan base, our pre-sales, our – you know mm. – I'm in a position where as long as we've got the plug-in team, the PR team and everything else in place, then why would I give 50% of my record away to anybody mm. else? Do you nice. know what I mean? So I made a decision. It's not a cheap decision to throw, to put an album out. Do you know what I mean? It's, don't mm. get me wrong. It's not, you know, it's not like the old days where it used to, to if you're going to break a band, it would be a million pound um, and we're not going to be broken. That was the thing as well, as I know I'm in a stage of my career where we're not going to be the next big thing. What we do have is a sort of cult-like following that are really, really into the band. So it was just like, you know what? We'll just, we'll just, we'll just put the record out ourselves. We'll just start our own mm. label. We'll employ the right. people, same people that other people would employ. Put a team in place, and you know, put the label out, and that's where we are, and that's where we're at, and and I think it proved that we did. I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't. I've made loads of mistakes putting this record out, as you as, as you do with anything in life and you've learned and I know how to do it better next time. But the fact it was the sixth physical biggest selling record of that week, you know, is pretty impressive for a label yeah, on a budget independent. And it was the third yeah. in, uh, independent label, third biggest selling independent record. That just shows the power of that audience, like the power of that community. Like you see it with the festival, you see the power of that community just – when it goes on sale, it, it goes me- it goes mental straight away because you have got that fan base. You, like you said, you tour 11, 11 months of the year. Because I got banned off the radio for two years for that. <laughs> you can say what you like. I don't care about monkeys. Say what you like. I'm only joking. I'm playing with you. <laughs> I'm like, did, did that actually, did he? Did he actually have, oh my days. Okay, so frontline, frontline. There's a there's a ma- there's a great reading meaning behind the title, isn't there? And the, and the album and the whole ethos of the album. Do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, I think again, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to backtrack a little bit to what happened after 9/11, which was quite a, not a political album because that isn't true. But there was a lot of definitely a lot of statements like the world's gone crazy and various different other references. As I've always been, do you know what I mean? I'm quite. I'm a socialist. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't mean I'm a communist. I'm a socialist. I believe in. I believe everybody fair rights for everybody, and I believe, you know, back from my punk roots, that you need to have a voice and you should be able to express yourself as a musician. 
that came back to bite me in the arse after 9-11. And I steered away from writing anything kind of political or, um, you know, the, yeah, any kind of statement against, uh, you know, background of what was going on at that time. I changed my mind during well, um, uh, worshipping the dollar. That was the first time after that. So I think we had Rum and Coke, Crazy Diamond. I can't remember what other album, but it was the first time that I decided again to start having a voice and having some kind of message that you wanted to say. Because, you know, mostly people see us as a party band. They see us as just good time lads. But that's not really the whole truth. Do you know what I mean? In my roots are deeply in, in, entrenched in the early Clash movement, the early specials movement, which was very much apolitical. Do you know what I mean? It's speaking up mm. for the people who haven't necessarily got a voice and speaking up against the wrongs that are being done in this in, in this world. And I think Frontline, we used it as a title because for me it felt like it was like the, the full circle of those bands, the Clash and the Specials, because the front line was the Routon Road in Brixton, and that's where the Brixton riots started in the mm. you know in the 70s, late seventies, early eighties, when when Margaret Thatcher and everything was in you know, and so it was, it was a whole reference back to that period. And I feel with thirteen years of Tory government and you know the way that I just feel there's so much injustice going on politically in this country. So it was kind of a, a throwback to that and that message, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, like I, I was reading it this morning and I was like, wow, Pat, like it's like you're saying, I, said, I read in the thing, it's like poverty at the time, but also you now the cost of living crisis, austerity, national strike. It, it just shows the world's in chaos at the moment. And The world's in chaos as it was, as I said to you, when, when, when Punk and um, Two-Tone came out. You know, they were mm. against a very political and racially motivated um, background. And so, and I kind of felt like during COVID, uh, a, a hell of a lot of this, you know, during lockdown, a lot of that stuff came back, you know, with the George mm. Floyd incident when we put out Stand Together. And certainly with, um, you know, the Tories who just lied and lied and lied and, you know, handed out bogus contracts of PPE that have cost billions and the Kamikaze budget that's cost us 13 billion. The fact that our economy, and I don't mean to get political on anyone who's listening here, but you need to know what is going on, you know, and I just believe that, you know, the government is so corrupt and rotten to the core that you, somebody needs to speak out about it and say, if you've got a platform, use your voice. Do you know what I mean? Because our NHS is being trashed. Our waters are being polluted. You know, the, the energy companies are taking the piss. The, the government are just lining their pockets. They're lying through their teeth. And so I just feel like it needs to be said. Cool. Our rights are Very being cool. eroded. As we, Our rights are just being eroded nonstop. Yeah, and it's, it's just we're yeah. just letting it happen. Rivers are, Sorry, rivers that's are political over. I wonder whether it tied into there's a whole theme of the Western theme throughout the album as well. It feels like a bit like the Wild Wild West at the moment. I wondered if you that was was a little hat tip to that, or whether it just whether it's just just happened in coincidence. No, again, it was no, it was it was it's a, yes, it is. Of course, it is because you know it is the Wild Wild <laughs> West, and the Dubbers are the Wild Wild West, and it's you know we had the turn of the Pistoleros. You know, it's very yep. much got that Marconi, you know, spaghetti western yeah, sort yeah. of theme going. So it was a bit of a nod, nod to the cap of of, of that those albums and those things. So there's lots of little. If you know the Dub Pistols, then you'll feel all the different little subtle references to the things that have gone on before that we've taken mm. to another different place. 
Okay, should we listen to a track? Front, let's let's start with the lead track. Frontline. Let's. This one features Cheshire Cat. There's. You've got two tracks with them. He, she, them. Cheshire. Um, Cheshire. Do you know? Come on, you know Cheshire Cat, right? Mm. Cheshire Cat. Check one. Left field. When right, I come good. up, it's up, up. Yep. You know good. what I mean? It's, it's left yeah, yeah. Field. It's like you know, the man is an absolute don. He's an absolute don. Yeah. Where the mighty, did you meet mighty them? Birmingham. Birmingham. Based. Do you know, and this is the maddest thing, right? Because if you listen to him speak, you would not, if you ever met him, realise that okay. this is the man that's got this voice. Do you know what I mean? He's this tiny little guy from Chesh- from uh, Birmingham who yeah. just has got this most thought-provoking voice that's just absolutely awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with I, – I used to be good friends with Paul Daly and Neil Barnes, who obviously were um, left field. Obviously now it's Neil. Um, yeah, and and I met Cheshire through them, but you know, check one to me, and those early um, left field gigs were just mind blowing. Okay, right, let's play this one. There we go. I guess what I've got back. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, it's probably the most depressing track on the album. But it's the that. most honest. It's the most the most honest track. I've just been informed by my people here as well that you've got a, a lot of drum and bass heads in the, in, in the crowd there in your in your, your group. So we we're have. gonna have to play some of our drum and bass stuff. And I we reckon, that, Graham, do you know? Do you know that's my next question? Is that there's a heavy DMB presence on your albums? Uh, where did that love come from? From a start, from your end? Because then I want to play some drum bass for, from you for, the, for these people. Yeah, no. But what I'm going to say first of all is, why don't we? Um, we're going to drop a few of them, and then why don't yeah. we do a competition uh, where we put the parts out and get some of the, your followers, your D, you know, your data transmission. Yeah, love your, to do that. Uh, love to do that. Thumbs up, and we'll do a competition and. Uh, We'll get them a release of uh, yeah, lovely. The question: so Where was I? Um, yeah, let's do. We should do that. So we'll we'll put some stems up later on. Um, I think, and again, it'll be another track. I think featuring Cheshire Cat or Spitfire because we're planning yeah. to release that. Clues doing a remix of it at the moment that sounds absolutely amazing. Sick. How did my love of drum and bass come? It wasn't instant, Graham. I ain't gonna lie. It wasn't. It wasn't my first go-to. I'm not like a natural um, drum and bass head. It's become my. Um, you know, it's it's become my love. But you got to remember, I come from 1987. Um, my club background, where I went to Ibiza, and I became a Balearic head and DJ Alfredo, Paul Oakenfold, oh, um, Alfredo. Shum, 
You know what I mean? So it was very much a Balearic house thing, and it wasn't even Balear. It wasn't even house then. It wasn't even acid house. It was such yeah. a combination of many multi genres. Do you know what I mean? And then I started running clubs, you know, and and they were from progressive house clubs of Fabi Paras, um, Justin Robinson, Lion Rock, um, Terry Farley, Boys Own. So that was my natural background. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of brilliant when a beer arrives isn't it um so that was my natural <laughs> um i've been told that's his not mine <laughs> so that was that was kind of my natural background and then and, and, and because i guess the amount of years that i've been around you go through many different genres and many different scenes my wife is a mad um, junglist, do you know what I mean? Uncle Doug's and rap and all the, uh, you know, uh, Goldie and everybody are, are her absolute gods. But it took me a while to get mm. my head around it all. And I'm going to be completely honest with what, what, what really happened and how I started to get involved in the drum and bass scene, which I am now totally immersed in, was mm. that we got a remix done of one of our tracks which was Peace of Mind featuring Red Star Lion. And um, a producer did a drum and bass remix, which we started to perform live. And I've never seen a crowd go as crazy, I'm not going to use the word, go as crazy as they did to this record. And it just really sort of opened my eyes up to the energy. And uh, mm. and, and then I you obviously start, like anything, start really you know, like anything, when I start to get immersed myself into it and the, and the back culture and everything, and it ticks every box for us. It was like, you know, because we were running reggae and hip-hop and things like that, which were half the time, and it just made perfect sense to yeah. double time. <laughs> when you start performing that live, and then suddenly you're taking the energy level to a whole new level. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's kind of really what happened. I, I, you know, I can't lie and say, yeah, I was, you know, there and I was in it at the beginning. You know, I'd go down mm. the Blue Note and I'd check out this, that and that, but, and I was in the Ronnie Size and I was in the Goldie Timeless album, but I wasn't immersed as, mm. as, 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 you know, I'm not just going to say that I was you know, one of those pioneers that were there from the start because that, that would mm. just be blatant lies. But now I absolutely love it and I'm totally down. And I'm lucky enough to work with whether it's King Youth, you know, whether it's Clue, whether it's Ed Solo, whether it's, you know, I'm lucky enough to, you know, start being able to bring all these people into our production and, and, and help us along the way and learn from them. There's nothing wrong with learning. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel like, I like, it sounds like, like I, I do the same. Like I'm not in something and then all of a sudden I go into it and I'm like, I want to know everything about it to the le to the nth degree of finding everything about it. But yeah, I, it's, it's, it's nice to hear somebody else does the same. It's cool. So many people are so purist. Do you know mm. what I mean? Which I get. I understand that. This is your thing. This is what you understand. But everywhere has foundations. Everything has mm. to come and start from somewhere. So for me, it's all about finding out where the foundation started. It's like without the specials, without the clash, I wouldn't have found out about, you know, Studio One or, you know, the Jamaican sort of whole culture. And that takes you and that's your foundation. Same without, you know, the American hip-hop and then the foundations of the UK hip-hop scene being Rodney P, Roots Maneuver, Black Twang, Ty, um, Shawnee T. You know, it's like you've got to find out the fact. Every, every, every single facet of the music that any of you people out there know right now 
came from a foundation somewhere. So you've got to mm-hmm. keep taking back steps to go forward. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And learn and research yeah, and know know what you're doing, know what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like learn what these people's experiences. And quite often these people never got paid the Jews they were due at the time. That comes in time by people taking and and referencing all these people that, that were their influence. Okay, let's listen to some drum bass. Right, uh, one of some of our viewers are in the states, and it's and they're literally only just waking up. So we all sometimes wake up their neighbours by playing some drum and bass at this time in the afternoon here in the UK. So uh, surround sound, are your neighbours ready? We're going to play some drum and bass. Let's blast those fuckers and wake them up. Uh, let's. I, I thought we'd go. Let's, I thought I thought we'd go. That's no lie. Uh, and King Youth. So you were talking about him a minute ago. Two, two of my favourite two, two of my favourite producers. You know, King Youth, um, well, he, you know, he's been an absolute don in the jungle scene, made some of the most fantastic records. Obviously, he was part of the Chopstick dub plate um, thing. He made some fantastic breakbeat records as well. But he came up with, you know, we, we worked on a lot of tracks on the last album. Um, and this one is obviously an ode to the College Rock Rhythm. And then you bring in Demolition Man or Rast Demo. Do you know what I mean? This is one of my favourite, favourite tracks off the album. I absolutely love this rhythm. Me too, me too. I, I was listening to it this morning again and just, I absolutely love, when this came out, I was dancing around, the, dancing around at 4.30 this morning. I mean, listen to it. It's, yeah, I love this track. It's so good. Let's play this. That's no There we go. There we go. Oh, so such a happy track. Do you know what though, Graham? Listening to that sounds like my man's making an awful apology to someone, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so, it's so happy. It's so happy that I was this morning. I was just put it on. It was like the sun was shining through, and it was like happy drum and bass. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. I was like, I was like fully coming into the it world nicely this morning. Deep record, man. I absolutely love it. You know, and that college rock rhythm. Oh my god. Oh my it's god! So nice, so you know, nice. Yeah, I can't take credit. You know, it was you that brought that rhythm to me and said, like, you know. So, and it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, rest demo, rest demo, demolition man. Absolute bless you, brother. So good. Um, the next uh, another track that I really love was M16. Uh, I, I again this morning I was listening to it. I was loving that track. The, the, there's a flip up with a with a vocal and a slight cover in it, and then and you've got Ragga Twins and Natty Campbell on it. Let's talk about that record. Yeah, well, again, that was the one that, you know when I said to you and you were talking about getting the old spaghetti western theme on it, and it that was the flip back to Return of the Pistoleros. You know, where we use those Mar- Marconi horns and that Western theme. Do you know what I mean? Chucks in with 100%. a bit of Billie Jean. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and then you bring in the absolute legends that are um, the Ragga Twins. It's kind of weird because I, I tried to sing the um, 
initially. I mean, I, felt, I think there's a smidgen of me singing. Um, <laughs> she was more like sixteen, but well, you know, my vocals being what they are, we got Natty to come in and uh, you know pitch them properly. So uh, yeah, it, you know, it's yeah, it's a signature tune. It was like that. That was the t- take the cap off to uh, return to the pistoleros. Obviously, we had we had the Western theme at Mucky Weekend last year. Did that was that did that kind of preempt the album, and that we, or had you already thought that you were going to do Western album, and and then it, that kind of was uh, preempted to it? Which came first, the album or the uh, the, 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 the do you know do you know what costume um, theme? The album, so the album did came come first. Yeah, and the album was also supposed to come out in September that was my original idea and the idea was going to be that it would be the biggest in-store that you could possibly imagine that we'd have this many thousand people so you know we were going to do like that was going to be our big in-store and that was going to be our ticket and that was going to probably you know propel us to a place because I don't know anyone who's done an in-store at a festival at their own (laughs) festival yeah so to a captive audience so that's what I wanted to do, unfortunately, um, we just couldn't get it together in time to get the record printed, produced, and ready to go out. So, um, yes, that was the idea behind the whole thing. Hence why, you know, the Mucky Weekend, the logo, the good, the bad, and the mucky. It was that <laughs> yeah. whole thing was supposed to tie in to the launch of our album, which was supposed to be in September, but it didn't happen. So, yeah, you were spot on, but unfortunately... It's- it was a strong look as you as a cowboy last year. It was it was a it was strong, Barry. Cheers, mate. I thought you looked pretty good yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so so next so this year we are, are we having a space album this year. We'll talk about Mucky in a bit, but yeah, this this uh, this song definitely brings the fuels the western, doesn't it? Like full on western. This is oh yeah, it's, you know you know exactly what it is. Let's play it. Let's play it for them. They're going to love this one. I, I thought it was great this one. go that's such a big tra- i love that track such a big track so fun yeah, again it, you know it's just a throwback and you know the ragged twins are you know they're just absolute dons they're one of the most professional got bunch that i've ever worked with and you know when they they could quite often will come and perform with us and mm. they're not even booked to perform with us they'll just we'll be at a festival somewhere and they'll just run halfway across the festival just to get on that stage and when they get on that stage they blow the place up they light the place up so i'm going to give you a world exclusive right now graham and a day before that they are back at mucky weekender this year yay we could have we could have not have a we could have not have them back at mucky weekender and what we're doing at mucky weekender this year even though every year 
because of the way I program the festival, because I'm a cheeky little bastard, is that I book a load of artists. One, because I, no, because they're all absolutely brilliant. But a lot mm. of some of them, because I know they've worked on our album, and right at the end, then I'll get them to come and join the Dub Pistols show. Do you know what I mean? So, but this nice. year we've got something really, really, really special, which is you know we're going to put a Dub Pistols All Star show on that we've never the likes of which we've never done, playing songs Sick. that we've never ever performed before with people that we've never had the chance to be on the stage with before. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. Sick. That's so good. Last year was mental, and I don't, like. Like the the show last year, like it was the first time we'd been. It was so like we such a great time. It's such a good weekend, and like well, let's talk about let's let's jump in and talk about Mucky then. Let's um what let tell me about Mucky Weekend. How did that how did it, how did it first come about? And then and then let's talk about this year's. Did the single come um, first or the, the festival? Mucky Weekend. Uh, um, obviously, I came from a promoting background, like I said, Jeff from '87. Yep. So it's something I've always done. Something that's just, uh, I'm in high-risk business, but it's something I've always done, something I've really enjoyed. And having been in the band and played probably 90% of the festivals in the world, have kind mm. of an idea of what makes a good festival, what makes a bad festival, what you want from a festival. But it's something I've always wanted to do. So um, I got offered some land in Sussex. I just jumped at the idea. You know, some, mm. it was like, could you want to put a festival? And I was like, yeah. Had not, there's a big, massive, massive difference in running a nightclub to running a festival. And oh, yeah. I had no, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, honestly, I had no idea of the totally different logistics. There's one thing having a purpose built club where you open the door and people come in and, you know, you've got to bring it in and building and starting something. Do you know what I mean? So we got in so much trouble. Do you know what? I know exactly because we obviously I used to work at Terminals Nightclub and then one summer Danny came in and went, We're gonna put get loaded on the parking in, in eight weeks' time and it's on Clapham Common and you've got and you've got eight, ten weeks to sell our festival. And we were like, How the fuck do we do that? Like like you say, it's completely different to a purpose built space that you've got to, we were like so I know exactly how well, I know exactly how you're talking about. It. It's 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 completely different, it's mental. And and you said your problem was selling the tickets. And, you know, selling the tickets is a massive, massive, massive problem with mm. so much competition that's around everywhere um, yeah. with, you know, and you're going up against majors like Live Nation and everybody. But the sheer logistics mm. of putting on a festival is is just another level. People are asking me questions and I'm just seriously standing there looking like Homer Simpson. <laughs> it's that bit that bit where he goes back into the bush and he's like I'll just yeah. go back into the bush you know what I mean? <laughs> sipping on a beer and just going yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's so true it's so, so true and I didn't have a Danny in a row so I brought a team in who did know, but we took it to a Nat's whisker of what was legal and what wasn't legal. <laughs> and I don't mean in terms of, I don't mean in terms of safety. I'm talking in terms of licensing. Right. You know, we had a couple of venues. We went on tents. We <sighs> tens, whatever they're called. I've just been told in the background. Um, yeah. They kept me well away from the. My job was to be the front of it, uh, be the dub pistols, curate it and you know promote it um they knew what they were doing production wise i didn't know what they were doing production wise and um 
we, <laughs> unbeknown to me, like I said, that we hadn't been really informed the council, the police, or anybody, and <laughs> they literally turned the lights and the sound system on about ten minutes before we opened. <laughs> it's just suddenly, it's like, <laughs> suddenly, this festival was like, oh, and we're real. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't big. Don't get me wrong. Like our first year was a thousand, twelve hundred people, but the volume yeah. of the noise in a very conservative area, there was it, it caused absolute mayhem within the local community, within the local village, within the local council. Yeah, it was it was carnage. We never got stopped, but we, like I said, we took it with a nat's whisker of what is legal and what isn't legal within the law. Um, we got thrown out of that. Um, uh, <laughs> we got thrown out of that site and that county because they're very conservative. The whole county. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, yeah. And luckily enough, luckily enough, we got to we got to, we got offered a site that I knew really well, which was in um, Winchester, mm. which used to be the old Blissful site. It's stunning. It's pristine parkland. It's Vicarage Farm. It's, it's such so lovely. a fantastic It's beautiful. It's stunning. The farmer there mm. couldn't be more helpful. Winchester Council, you know, they got Boomtown there. They've got like 50,000, 75,000 people. Us and our 5,000 people are an absolute, you know, it's, it's like, come on, guys. You know, so um, we've been very lucky to find <laughs> beautiful, beautiful site with a council mm. that are a little bit more understanding of what we're trying to achieve. Don't yeah. bust our balls. Like, you know, it, we, we were never, I, I'm not sure even I can even drive through East Sussex anymore. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a rave baron. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, the sheriff of East Sussex comes out to get you. <laughs> The rave baron. But um, yeah, there was people standing outside with their cameras filming. and it, the, 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 Yeah, the backlash after the first year. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't fire fest in terms of we put a you know, fantastic event on there, one a great time. But yeah. we had definitely, like I said, took it within the net's whiskers of what is right and what is wrong. But that was the birth of Mucky Weekender. Like I said, to really, realistically, to be honest with you, it was probably 1,200 people. Do you know what I mean? We had two mm. stages. It was very – it was quite not low-tech because the production levels were fantastic. The sounds and everything and everything we put into it were amazing. We were lucky that everybody absolutely loved it. And it's been it's, it's been an organic growth. You know, this year will be our fourth year. I think last year, the one the first year you came, was our coming-of-age event. Mm. We – I would say we felt like it was the first time, one, that we knew what we were doing, two, that it felt like it just it just felt like a real, real, real festival. Whereas before of that, it felt like a free party with a little bit of security. We fully loved it last year. We fully like, like it's me and Shelley were saying the other day, it's up there in our top, top festivals of the year. But I, I think, like I said, she last year was our coming of age. Do you know mm. what I mean? You know, we came back after COVID, and even though we'd sold more tickets, you know, there was at the time because of COVID, there was probably a 50, uh, 20, you know, somewhere between 20 and 50% drop off of people who bought tickets, didn't ask for refunds, but didn't turn up. That creates mm. a different vacuum in terms of vibe on the site. This, you know, so last year was the first time we got to see where 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 we are. Our production levels have raised. Our professional professionalism 
and I hold, you know, I, I even know what I'm doing now, Graham. Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I know my role. Um, it was, yeah, and it's a fantastic vibe. And again, it's it's an incredible community in terms of they these people, you know, the people that come to it. Uh, they leave the site cleaner than when they left it. You come alone and you will leave with a thousand new friends. You know, it's a real mm. community. Yes, it's it's not necessarily, you know, but by definition of our lineup, it's slightly to the older, you know, I'd say our demographic is probably 25, 30 plus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although you can come to 18 year olds and there are 18 year olds, it's not a family festival. Children aren't invited. We cannot be responsible, and I will not be responsible for anybody losing children, let alone losing their mind. Do you know what I mean? It's like we It's definitely not one for children. It's called, mucky, it's called Mucky Weekend for a reason. So, you know, so it's a certain demographic, and they come with respect, and they come with love for the music that they're into. And I know full mm. well you know, from many years of being in the industry, in the industry and, and being an artist, that the people that I'm curating or booking, they, I book them based on their performance, their, you know, what I know that they're going to put on the best show. So I And this year's become really difficult because, you know, each year it's built. So each year, but we've only had certain budgets because of our size. This mm. year, every single stage on every single day, you 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 want to go to all four. It's going to be yeah. a real one of those, like, you know, you can't complain about any time or whatever you're playing. You're playing, again, on the other stage is going to be someone massive. Do you know what I mean? On each stage, it's, it's it's you know, the lineup this year is brilliant, fantastic. I'm not saying that blowing up smoke up my own ass. I've just been given more money <laughs> that I can afford to be more people. <laughs> let's let's talk about guests. You've got some big guests. Let's talk about let's start with Goldie. Let's start there. Tell me about Goldie. Tell me about that booking. Oi, Goldie, if you're listening, send that promo video in that I've been asking for that you promised you'd do for me in Thailand with your big gold teeth. Yeah? <laughs> no. Um well, <laughs> we'll start there. No, Goldie, of course. I mean, what do you want you know, what can you say? What can you not say about Goldie, you know? Exciting. An absolute legend. Again, you're talking about foundation. You're talking about an absolute and he was probably of all the artists we've got, and we've got some fantastic artists, um the one that's brought the biggest reaction without a shadow mm. of a doubt. Do you know what I mean? People mm. are desperate to see Goldie. And me too. I can't, I can't wait. Do you know the, the, another one that's been absolute, which I was blowing my mind? The reaction we got to DJ Rap being announced. The yeah, she's she's been on this. here. She's she's been on here a few times. She's she's got a big audience. She's been on here a couple of times, and I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, so she's such a great person, and, and we're, we're excited to hang with her. I mean, she, the, the love that she has been shown has been incredible, Graham. It's been absolutely massive. You know, I mean, and do you know, do you know? Again, like I said, yeah, I don't. That was my wife. My mm. wife was like, she absolutely adores rap. I mean, you. I've got to. I, actually, I didn't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I didn't want to, but you know what I mean. So, so you got DJ Rap, but she, the reaction she's got is absolutely huge. It's incredible. Um, so, and I'm, so I'm going to. Where do I start? We got Selector, and tell me about as Selector. Our headliner. Okay, so Selector, uh, you know, I lost one of my dear, 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 dear friends, my hero, my absolute god, this year 
um, Terry Hall from the specials. Mm. And the selector, along with probably Madness, are the last remaining bastion of that era, that two-tone sound, which which ah, which okay. was basically the foundation of my life and my musical career. So for me, it was like I need to, you know, I it was what I wanted to get, you know. I mean, Pauline Black is an incredible character. She's done so much. Selector are absolutely killing it right now. So I just wanted something that give gave me that memory and 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 just gave me that moment. Because I, I mean, I, ideally, yeah, I just want to have that that part of my history and my foundation in my in our programming. You put on top of that, then you got the Skins, which is a kind of opposite end, who are probably the biggest up and coming UK reggae artists that are selling out the Roundhouse and God knows what. You've got Mungo's Hi Fi, you know Scotland's finest um, reggae group that are going. Where do we go then, General Levy? What, what can you yep. say about General Levy? <laughs> you know I mean? Absolutely wrong. Ed Solo, Decline. Standard Warriors, Ace Skills. You, you've got them all. And then you've got Crafty Cuts. You've got Stanton Warriors. So it's all bass music, all bass music artists that I know, you know, I know that they're top of their game. We've got lots of different things as well that people wouldn't expect. This year, I mean, have you seen Eva Lazarus' show? But I've heard about it. Shelley's heard about it, I'm sure. Mate, you need to check it out. You need to check it out. This woman is, her stage presence is second to none. Now, this year she's bringing, she's done loads of work with everyone from the next man to, to oh, cool. I know she's working with everyone at the moment. And and, and her, her show this year, she's bringing her full live band. So that's going to be off the scale. Gardner, the man is blowing up right now. The man is absolutely rinsing it. You know, all the late night radio one shows are all just all over him. He is he is bang on point, bang bang on point. So I'm delighted that we've got him. Where, where else do I go? And I've so obviously we've got Bez's Acid House party, which speaks for itself. Being a Manchester lad, it's going to be Bez's Acid House party. Yeah, um, that's going to be that'd be, cra- that'd be crazy time. But then you know, like I said, Uncle Doug. Under, there's just so many different kind of. We got reach out winter one yeah, reach reach out disco wonderland. You know that's um, what's his name? He used to run Positiva Records and Andy Smith from Portishead. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, you know, yeah, that's I know that. Oh, is that him? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's oh, that'd be that very is. cool. There's, mate, trust me. That's very cool. <laughs> there is some. There's, yeah, that's yeah. It's 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 properly properly big, and I, I'm just I, I just can't wait. To literally open my hardest thing this year has been trying to program where everyone's going to get a chance to play and mm. and be put them in the right place at the right time. But there is nowhere to hide this year. Do you know what I mean? There's no <laughs> unless you climb a tree. There's four stages that everyone's going to be want to be at. The stereo MCs mm. to the left, to the right. But even now, right? Okay, again, heritage. But if you watch their live shows now, they're still incredible. Their energy is next level. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Like I said, it was one of my favourite times last year. I'm, I, I'm excited. The lineup looks sick. Uh, there's lots of stuff that I want to see. There's lots of stuff I want to go and hang out with. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, again, and I, and I know, um, I know, I know. There's quite a few um, uh, drum and bass heads in this group, but also yeah. something that you'll know, you'll know very well, 
is the fact that we've got um, Terry Farley and his faith crew coming. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you know, for, for, which again is probably of my generation and when I was running clubs. But the fact we got Smoking Joe. Do you know what I mean? He used to play for me. God knows I when. Love, but I love Smoking you know, Joe. Absolutely brilliant. Smoking Joe. Yes. Bruce Live. Have you seen Bruce Live? Oh my no. busy days. So, you, mate, you're in for something special. Bruce Live doing their house set is 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 mind blowing. So you know, faith back, faith Terry Farley with, with you know with the boys' own background. You know what I mean? The fact that they you know his partners were Andy Weverell, you know, and Simon Eccles, and they 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 were a massive inspiration to me. It was good there last year. It was uh, the faith room, and it was it was probably grooving down there. Robert Owens last year was wicked. Yeah, it was, it was a great fun down there last time. I hung out there a lot last year. And of course, Woody Cook's back. Yeah. <laughs> That was good last cool year. Yeah, too bad mice. Do you know what I mean? Too bad mice. I can, I can also, do you, want, do you want some more world exclusive a day before it's coming out? We've got Aries coming on board. I don't know if nice. you knew that. You know, like, no. So Aries is joining us and so is Crossy. Do you know what I mean? So being a bit DMB All-Stars and a bit of being born on the road. Do you know what I mean? Just to add to that. Sick. And Mark see a big Manchester lad is back as well. So the, the lineup's keeping on going, and there's still more to come. Sick! It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be wicked. All right, let's play another track. Let's play Spitfire. Let's give us more drum and bass. Let's, let's play Spitfire. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. If we get enough likes, and if you people agree, then I'll put the stems up, and this will be the track that we'll do the competition with. Shall we? Yeah, definitely. I'm well up for it. We'll get it. We'll get it in the Discord. Like, I actually, do you know what? Actually, some of my course members messaged me yesterday, going, "I want a remix dub pistols. Can we make that happen?" And I was like, "I'll ask." But if we're gonna, so yes, definitely. There, are people are already up for it. People are already asking me. Competition. Yeah, let's do it. There you go. Let's play this track though. Go. That was cool. Let's have that there, everyone. I've just noticed a couple of chancing fuckwits that I missed off. Ron Mexico, apparently, and uh, <laughs> oh. hi. <laughs> hi. I thought, you- <laughs> I thought you were setting the wicked last year. Oh, I want to send, send Shelly my love. Send Shelly my love. Uh, yeah, it was fun last year. I really, we really enjoyed it in the boat. Are you having the boat again this year? Or are you having, a, are you having some spaceship themed? We are this year's theme is outer space. Um, yeah. So we have got the starship Shawnee T as opposed to the um, the nice. sp- HMS Shawnee T. So yeah, we're spaceship this year. Nice. The ship might make turns. We don't know, but if it if it does turn up, it's got to be space pirates. Nice, definitely. I'm, I'm starting for yeah. space. It's got, I need to get some new fancy dress. What are you working on? What's your outfit? 
I'm looking. I'm, 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 I was just having a quick glance at my. Well, do you know what? I've always wanted a spacesuit in my fancy because basically in my disco shed where we are now, just down there is a whole is a massive fancy dress crate, and I've never had a giving your sex life away, Graham. I've never had a a full spacesuit, so I might just go full spacesuit because yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Bez's Hassan House return is that that's that's going to be well, is that going to be out of, my, you didn't answer my question what you're going to wear you want a space outfit what are you going to do I don't know I, I, it's a long way off I'm kind of, I'm planning definitely space outfit definitely kind of I might just go full astronaut because I've definitely wanted one of those the only problem with the full astronaut is you get the helmet and you can't drink through the helmet so it needs to be I always think with fancy dress it needs to be cool but you need to, it needs to be able to you need to be able to do certain things like drink goes to the loo uh so it needs to be kind of you need to work in those factors to make it a great fancy dress my wife, my wife, my wife does a full pinterest um mood does she, does she? yeah absolutely absolutely i could i could wear i could wear the, the old disco helmet again with the spacesuit and go disc like they're saying in the chat disco astronaut let's play let's play another track while he gets sorted um let's play this one soundboy killer with natty campbell There we go. He's back. Lost you for a minute. You know, what happened though? Um, what happened, Graham? Was I went dark side of the moon, so I was just the other side coming back through all bit. So that's why I am testing out for Tesla. I'm one of Elon Musk's dummies. <laughs> uh, who was it we had to give a shout out to? Carlos Bandy. Apparently, if we didn't go, we need to give shot, a shout out to Carlos Bandy. Yeah, is he watching, Carl is he? Van hey, Carlos. We need to give him a shout out because he told us to go fuck ourselves, fuck ourselves, and fuck ourselves again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There Carlos. he is. There he is in the chat. There he is in the chat. There he is, yeah. Happy now? Yeah, he's good now. Let's keep it Yes, exactly. There we go. So, uh, shouting out everyone else apart from him. Oh, you feel sad. What's happened, Carlos? Your dog died? Oh, Amaya's just joined the chat as well. Oh, Amaya. Apparently our daughter's DJ Amaya, who's making an appearance this year. She's joined. Give nice. Her a shout. The whole the whole yeah. family's playing. Wicked. Yeah, yeah. No, DJ trust me, she's nice. been she's been putting the effort in, Graham, Absolutely. and she is properly you should check out her page, man. She's properly starting I'm going to blow to. up. Yeah, I'm going to. Very, very, very proud of her. We talk Monkey Weekend and we're talking an album. We've listened to loads of the tracks, which is, I'm loving this album. It's so good. Let's talk about the rest of the year. Tours and gigs. You're, you're Like you said, you're constantly on the road. Let's talk about tour stories. Let's, I know there's some, I know there's some, I know Hobbs has told me some classics. 
What's what have you what tell us a tour story that that's just incredible? <laughs> <laughs> I'm room full of laughter. How long have we got? We need a whole another whole show for this. Go um, we, we we've got we've got a documentary. My my company's called What the Fuck Could Possibly Go Wrong Limited. It yep. really is it's a true story. Um and it's the history of the dub pistols. And it basically is the story of every band. It's rock and roll. Um, and I think we've taken that to um, another level. I think even talking to Bez from the Happy Mondays, I think he even said that you make the Happy Mondays look like um, the Proclaimers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or the Osmonds. <laughs> um, yeah, things haven't always gone well for us, Graham. Um, and as I said, but I will own, I will own every single part of that, that we created that chaos and mayhem. In fact, I loved it. I couldn't live without that chaos or mayhem back in the day. Now I couldn't mm. live with it. We've got a documentary coming out. Um, I'm hoping it's going to finally come out in September called What Could Possibly Go Wrong? The History <laughs> of the Dub Pistols. But to me, it's the story of every band. It's what goes up. Not that we ever went up. It must come down. Do you know what I mean? We're just like Hindenburg. Do you know what I mean? We just took off on long. Like, we never quite got airborne. It just blew up. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, so in that documentary, there is, and I didn't realise how much uh, footage we had from those days or from 26 plus years of the dub pistols and actually how bad it was. Mm. <laughs> it's not, I knew we hated each other. I knew we fought right. a lot. I knew we uh, all had drink and substance abuse problems. It's not, you know, and, and there was every, it was like a 26 year hangover. Oh my you know God. What I mean? it, was like, it was like everything we could do to destroy your own. We had an implode button. Do you know what I mean? On everything we did. And, uh, and it was it was just, it was chaos. It was bedlam. <sighs> I don't even know where to start with where it went wrong. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it went wrong. It, it seems to be all right. It seems to be right now, though. Yeah, because I think, you know, I'll backtrack in a minute because we if things got so bad for us, and, and it wasn't just so bad in terms of your career's going nowhere, you're a bunch of losers. It was it was mentally bad for us as well. Do you know what I mean? We were, like I said, we were definitely suffering from alcohol and substance abuse. This was this had been going on for years. It ate every part of our budget. Our shows were a shambles. Do you know what I mean? And it and people had paid were paying to come and see our shows. Do you know what I mean? Mm. People were coming to see us live, and to be honest, we were we were we were bad. Do you know what I mean? It was like things mm. were bad, and, and it was after I think we, I come out. We played a festival one year, and we got the honour to close the. We got to close the show after Prodigy to fifty thousand people, and before I used to perform every show, I'd drink two bottles of vodka and do a lot of Jesus. nose whiskey. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and not be necessarily at my best. In fact, I'd be an arsehole. And I came out and I was in, not in the best of situation. And I came out and I dropped my trousers and I turned around to the crowd and said, why don't you still fuck me up the arse? Played the same song twice. 
called everyone something I shouldn't have and just walked mm. off. The, crowd, the thing is, the crowd all cheered and thought it was part of the show. <laughs> didn't realize that i just had a mental breakdown on stage do you know what i mean and 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 there was there was that that was going on and on and on it was like part of our lives we were having punch-ups on stage we mm. there didn't a day like i said it was like a 26 year hangover do you know what i mean mm. it was like and it couldn't continue do you know what i mean and and it wasn't enjoying it, and we wasn't enjoying. I wasn't. I wasn't enjoying it. The band wasn't enjoying it. None of us liked each other. Do you know what I mean? It was like the shows were a shambles. People had come to play to see us play, and it, it just needed to change. And luckily enough, someone you know, we we actually did finally pay attention to a friend of mine. Just went, Barry. I'm not being funny, mate, but I'm embarrassed for you. Do you know what I mean? If it, you know people are paid to come and see you, and, and you don't look like you're enjoying yourself, and mm. it's pretty embarrassing to watch your shows, and and if that's the case, then just stop. And I, I, I didn't need to be told it, but it was great to be told it. Do you know what I mean? And it was kind of like it's taken a big long. St- and we, we went. Some of the band went into rehab. Some of the band went to live halfway across the world and get as far away from us as they possibly could. But we managed to turn that around. Do you know what I mean? And turn the negative, which it had all become into a positive and start doing what we really, really, really enjoyed, which was performing, do you know what I mean? Which we'd lost complete sight of. So now it's all about the show and it's all about, we still, we, you know, we're still the dub pistols. We're still your likable roads. We still like to party. <laughs> I've still got a beer in my hand. Do you know what I mean? But we're, you know, we're just not complete dickheads anymore. Do you know what I mean? And, and then we'll do the show first and then we'll party afterwards. I mean, there's another story that's going to come out in a documentary where, and it's pretty dark, where um, we were on tour with quite a well-known artist as a support act travelling around the Europe for two months. And when when we were uh, sound checking, the tour bus driver was going off and picking up prostitutes, murdering them and putting them in our tour bus. And we were driving around Europe with dead bodies in our bus. What the fuck? <laughs> I know I'm laughing about it, and I shouldn't because people lost their lives, and it's and it, and, and at the time we couldn't say anything. The guy's now doing life, luckily enough. But um, yeah, that actually happened as well. Yeah, things it was it what? was mate. How did they, did they catch? Obviously, they caught him, but they did caught they catch him, him on your butt? In the of the tour together. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, it just, wow. it just it just it just when you see the documentary, you will see there is just. It's just tell upon tell of just like I can't wait to see this. What the actual fuck happened? Well, I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be great fun. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! It'll be one of those. Hope, hope, I really hope it's one of those net, those things that just blows up on Netflix for you or wherever it's on, and just like goes I think mental. It'll be the new Anvil. Yeah. <laughs> Anvil. Or the new. Yeah, was that ti- the ti- new the new Tiger King? Yeah, it's like it's just you know you are the, you are the new Tiger King. <laughs> it's just just things happen, and, and, and like I said, I just generally think it's the story of most bands. What goes up comes down. We were a mess, do you know what I mean? And and, and everything that went around us was a mess. You know, it was too much, too soon. There was, like I said, there was a lot of substance abuse. There was a lot of alcohol abuse. We had definitely problems. It was. Half it, I can't even remember, if I'm being completely honest, even so people start showing me films back of what we did and didn't do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know how many countries I've been banned from over the mm. years. 
you know what I mean? That luckily enough, I've been able to go back and have some redemption with. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I remember coming out and I, I play, we played in Croatia, and again, and Johnny, our guitarist, is Croatian, and we were playing live on national television and playing live to fifteen thousand people, and I thought it'd be really funny to come out. And I, again, I got it completely wrong, misjudged the room. Came out and said, "What's it like to kill your neighbours? You know, you did your murdering bastards." And <laughs> I got bottled off stage. Oh my god! Country for ten years. We've got and Johnny's cup for cup family were crying. I was like, "What? What?" You know, it's just that that I said two bottles of vodka. Stupid, stupid, stupid. That stupid shit was what happened every. Oh my god! You know what I mean? It's like it was rock and roll suicide. Yeah, on my days. They're like, yeah. Tell me about uh, Tonic Music for Mental Health because you're you're you've raised money for them. You did a wing walk for them. Tonic Music for Mental Health is a charity that are very dear to my heart. Having been someone, as you can clearly tell through mm. the years of, of suffered with various different issues myself, have lost a lot of friends through mental health. It's been a stigma for many, 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 many years. One that many people didn't want to talk about or embrace or didn't understand. I think mm-hmm. I think COVID made it more real for people to understand because I think for the first time ever, a lot of people found themselves in the same situation. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that their mind was wandering and being played tricks on. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so Tonic, when they approached me, um, I did a, t- a, t- uh, a show with Terry Hall and they talked to me about what they did. And I really, I really, really, I got it straight away. It was, you know, it's like, it's all about recovery through music and through, ther- you know, the therapy of music. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. music to me is the most emotive and natural thing, whether it's, whether it'll take you up, whether it'll take you down, it's the most. So to me, it made total sense to get involved. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a trained therapist. I'm a fundraiser, so so you have to separate the two. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The Tonic crew are absolutely unbelievable. The team, Adam Fajek from Baby Shambles takes on workshops and does – they do so much work during, you know, so much fantastic work that for me, all I do is fundraise. I have a flying circus and anyone, in there, anyone here who's watching this or whatever, they're, they're more than welcome to come and um, join my flying circus. You have to a little bit crazy. It involves strapping yourself to the wings of a biplane. And you can, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm raising money for mental health. Um, so it's just doing those kind of things. I think I've raised over a quarter of a million pound by doing that. Wow. Um, but, but it's probably the best. I'm a thrill seeker, so it's probably the best thing. I'm also now a qualified member of the Flying Circus. It's probably the best thing most <sighs> – most in, exhilarating experience that you will ever get in your mm. life. I've done, I've done parachute jumps and free falls and God knows what, but to be strapped to the top of a biplane and doing loop-the-loops and barrel rolls and the G-forces that you get from that are next level. So it'll be the best day you've ever had, but it's, it all goes towards, like I said, every, everything I do is just about fundraising so that mm. Tonic can help the people that need help. Do you know, what I, mean? I mean, COVID really, especially for our industry, was devastating, absolutely devastating. Most musicians, 95% of musicians live hand to mouth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe 5% make some decent money out of it. Most of them live hand to hand, hand to mouth. So they rely on their shows. 
they rely on their, you know, because it's not, it's not the music, it's not their sales that are doing it. So a lot of them during COVID, and we were the first out, we were the first to, you know, because of the hospitality industry, not just the music industry, we were the first to be out and we were the last to come back. So my, my, a lot, hell of a lot, most of my friends lost their livelihoods. A few of them took their own lives. Do you know? You know. So it just it, it just became so. I mean, it was hopeless at stages during COVID. Mm. You know, COVID. So it just all all. And the only thing that ever kept me sane was I, I, I was lucky enough not to be in a position like that. But all the thing that I enjoyed the most was raise, you know going to help them, bring the awareness, raise some money, and get people help that they needed. Because and the and as dark and dark and dark as COVID was, it's opened up topics and it's made people go to places and understand things they never would have done before. Shelley says she wants to do the wing walk. <laughs> do you know what, Shelley? You will never forget it. You will never forget it. You will not regret it. It will be the best thing you've ever done in your life. You know, I've had people who are so terrified of flying, they won't even sit next to a window on an aeroplane. Um, and they've all done it. They only done it once. Um, a couple of them only got on top of the plane. <laughs> <There we> go. <laughs> couple of only, couple of only. Yeah, a couple of them have only got on top of the aeroplane and got back down crying. But it, it, it's, it's absolutely. It, I can't tell you the rush. There is a danger okay. because the problem, and I'm going to put you off now, Shelley. The problem with biplanes hmm. is, and this. Being in the air is absolutely fine. That's no problem. They can glide all day long. But they're top-heavy, and you're strapped, boof, in a harness on the top. But I don't know. I've been around because I'm flesh kit. But you're, <laughs> <laughs> but you're strapped to an aeroplane that could just tip over, and the oh my God. propellers will just decapitate you. But oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's fine. You'll be absolutely fine. But... <laughs> So if I haven't solved this unique experience of Barry Afrosham and his flying circus, then <laughs> oh god, she, she'll probably still do it. Oh god, you never know, Graham. Just take some life insurance out. You can have the best time in your life for the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it would handle my weight. Otherwise, I, I think it's probably there's probably a weight limit. Yeah, there is. Shall, you show you go and do it. <laughs> Let's play one more track. What are you going to play? I'll let you choose. <laughs> Why don't, we go somewhere, why don't we go somewhere completely different? Jump on it. Jump on it. Jump on it. Jump Let's on do it. Taking a mighty top hat. Taking us right back to old Big Beat days. Love this. Love this. Freestylers are on this as well. Featuring Top Cat. Let's play this. Keep in the dance, tell the people find out. Tell them to the champion, DJ the ball. Dance, get rammed, what the massive turn out. Ripping the ends of the arse, them for short. From east, from east, make up some nice if you come from east. From west, from west, make up some nice if you come from west. From north, from north, make up some nice if you come from north. From south, from south, make up some nice if you come from south. Make we come together and rock out, rock out. We don't wanna fight, just rock out, rock out. Dance, just nice, just rock out, rock out, rock out, rock out. On the east side, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. On the west side, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. On the north side, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. On the south side, jump on it, jump on it, jump on it. On the east side, jump on it, jump on it. 
Mate, there we go. Swear, there you go. Good. You're making me look good. You're making me look good. <laughs> it's all the buttons. Good. Gang in the chat. I've got any questions in the chat uh, for Barry? Oh, there is one. Let me see. Let me go, let me go back. Harvest. Well, um, when you start going into dark spots, what strategies do you have to get out of the mental funks? Pure. You know, that's a really t- it's a really tough one. Um, it's really hard when you're in those dark moments, as I'm sure whoever's just mm. asked me this question is, um, how do I get out of them? I don't. And it's, 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 it, I do get out of them, obviously, because, you know, you have to. But um, mm. you have to remind yourself that it, it, a, lot of the, a lot of the dark places I've been on have been self-inflicted and places that I've taken myself down to, whether or not it's been through substances I've used or substance abuse or – um, again, because we work in an industry which is absolutely embroiled in rejection. Do you know what I mean? Or if, you know, if you're going to put yourself out on the line and you want to be an artist, then you have to be able to take criticism because it's just going to come flying at you. And the maddest thing about criticism is, or the industry is, the only thing you ever remember. That I, 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 I can get a thousand great reviews the only ones that ever stick in my mind are the negative ones do you know what i mean and it's and then i have to uh, and i but i have to oh, i know that if i wake up tomorrow it's going to be a better day or i have to believe mm. it's going to be a better day and, and when i'm in a dark place then i just now through for years of it then i've learned to be in that dark place and not you know it's just like just not i mean i've i've Really, you know, I've gone through everything to, to standing on, the, on a platform edge, to to not wanting to wake up in the morning, to every single part of it. But to realise how precious life is and how lucky we are, and no matter what you, how you feel, just you know, it's going to get better. Things are going to get better. And the, but the biggest thing is to talk to somebody, talk to somebody, because trust me, forget social media, forget everybody in their fantastic world. Everybody out there is having a shit fucking time. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's all bullshit. Everything you see, everything you know is a lie. Do you know what I mean? So don't be scared that you're the only one that's having a bad day, that that you feel like this. No, trust me, most people are feeling like that. And, and all you've got to do, you need to reach out. Do not be afraid. Do not hold it in. And also, if you recognize that one of your friends has gone quiet, that is the biggest signal that something is wrong. When someone who's and it's usually the people that are full of life that got seem like they're the biggest larger than life characters. They're the ones that are really normally like comedians that are hiding something. Do you know what I mean? It's when you notice that something goes quiet, that's the alarm bell. So mm. you need to one realize your own moods. Realize that every day can't be the best day of your life. Get through it as best you can. Talk to somebody if you can, mm. and and also look out for each other. But open up. Amazing. I'm going to play one more track. What you got? MC, what's his name? And DJ Fingy Bob, what's up in the club tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go out there and take a look, bro. See what's going on. Peace, I'm out. You know it, go. I'm standing at the door of the club, breath smelling like a pub. Getting VIP love, got the people know my name. There's cocaine running around in my brain. So I chat to everybody, the cocaine's the blame. The chick that I'm with is a dime, she looks flame. But I really don't remember her name. So hey ho, the party's in the VIP, you wanna go? I got a little hydro weed, you wanna roll? She was like, no, I don't smoke Joe But you got any blow and I was like, yeah, there you go Click, next thing, she dancing on the bar top Click, next thing, I'm unbuckling the bar top 
go. I thought we'd end with that. Be fun. I was going to offer that one up as a remix, but Hobbs here just says, no, I've already got one for lined up for Mackie. So I think Spitfire, nice. we're, going to, we're going to run this competition, right? Yeah, let's do it. I'm up for it. So we'll get the parts. Yeah. We'll put them in the Discord. Yeah. We'll put them on SoundCloud. We'll jump out all over the place. And then and then let's let's let's, let's get winners. And as part of the Mucky Weekend uh, data transmission thing, remember we've got a takeover coming, haven't we, with, with uh, 15, radio takeover, hours, yeah. 15 yeah, hours 15, of 15 hours of radio music, which is going to be fun. It'll be great fun. We did it last year. It was a great day of music. Mucky Weekend, the DC radio takeover. Um, I can't wait to see what the lineup's going to be for you that as well. It's going to be great fun. No, listen, Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. I hope it's. Uh, I hope those that have tuned in or will be tuning in or will watch it further down the line have a little insight of uh, life as being a dub pistol. Do you know what I mean? And thank you for having <laughs> me on the show. And, but thank also you so much well, for coming I, on. And I'll, honestly, listen, anybody out there, producers, because I know that you're, a lot of your thing is scholarship and, and mentoring people, into um, into the music industry and into the world. Listen, there is no one way to go about it, the only way. And the one biggest thing that I will tell you is never, 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 never give up. Always believe in yourself and just keep going. Doesn't matter how many knocks you get, doesn't matter how many times I knock you down, like a boxer, get up and keep believing in, in yourself. Amazing. Barry Ashford, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for doing this today. It's a, pl- it's a pleasure to have you on. A pleasure, Jack. Great to chat. I can't wait to see you at Mucky Weekend of this year. We'll see you before that, mate. But big love, Graham. Cheers, mate. See you soon, mate. See you soon. Bye. Bye.